Mackinac Island and the beaches in Michigan were just wonderful. I was surprised how, how much I love the beaches in Michigan. It was like being at an ocean sometimes, but no self coverage. So, well, listen, uh, Hey everyone, my name is Jim Gast and you're joining us on no law firm left behind. I want to welcome back this week. Dave and I have been a little bit of a hiatus for the 4th of July holiday. Dave, did you have a good time off? Had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's kind of nice. I love doing a show, but it's also nice to get a vacation. If you give me show versus vacation, I think I'm going to go vacation every time, you know? So uh, thanks for co-hosting again today, Dave. Uh, joining happy to be today. Here. Oh, it's, our, it's, it's, it's Dave. I couldn't do it without you, brother. You're, you're my, you're my, uh, you know, I, 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 I lean on you for this, man. I do. So joining us today from, uh, from sunny Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> uh, it's <is> sunny today. <laughs> that's awesome. You got lucky. You got here too. <laughs> well, you know, it's Ohio weather, right? So you've got the three C's here today, right? Cincinnati, yep. Cleveland, and Col- Columbus. <laughs> right? Yep, we got it all covered. Yeah, we got the three C's here today. So, Brandy, uh, listen. You, you know, you're a rock star of a, of a legal administrator, and your your LinkedIn bio just speaks volumes about you. Uh, we came to know each other from uh, from a good friend, Laura Fote at uh, Zeno Hall and Farron. Thank you again, Laura, for ha- for recommending Brandy. But Brandy, here's the thing: this is open mic month for legal administrators on No Law from Left Behind. Okay, uh, and and as I always say, I can't do justice to an introduction for someone. I always love to let them introduce themselves. So, would you do our our our, our guests the uh, the honor? Uh, the listeners and watchers and the honor of introducing yourself, tell them about yourself a little bit. Absolutely. Thanks for having me uh, on your podcast today, Jim. Yeah. I am currently the office administrator for the Columbus office of Squire Patent Logs. I've been in this role about 11 years. I have about 15 years total with the firm. Uh, my career started in HR and recruiting. I actually worked in the staffing industry and recruited temp warehouse workers when I first started my career. And I came to Squire in, I'm not going to mention the year because you already told me I looked younger than I am. So we're just going to say it was a while ago. I came to the firm as the recruiting manager. And I was with Squire for a few years and then got an itch to do a little more and ended up joining an advertising agency as their HR director, which I likened to Mad Men. If anyone has seen Mad Men, it really is the energy, the immaturity that breeds the creativity in an ad agency is like nothing I had ever experienced before. So I had a lot of fun with that, decided I wanted to grow back up and I came back to Squire and that's, um, I've been in this position since 2011. Well, I, I tell you, you know, people have got to check out your LinkedIn profile. By the way, if you're listening in the podcast on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Facebook, or on any of the podcast platforms, I've got a link to Brandy's profile connect up with her on LinkedIn. Everybody likes to build network connections. And Brandy, in your role at Squire Patent Bugs, one of your responsibilities is recruiting. Is LinkedIn an important part of that? 100%. It's, no. a, it's just a gem. I mean, you get to see everyone's backgrounds. I mean, it's, it's underutilized by some folks, I think. Really? Um, it is, it's like hitting a jackpot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a. It's a do you find that uh, <laughs> put in your search might be in this day and age? Do you find that sometimes it's a substitute or 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 or, or an 
addition to somebody's resume when they send that through? I mean, do, do we even deal with resumes anymore, or, is, or are you shortcutting that through LinkedIn? Uh, since I started in recruiting, I always look at the resume, and I am a sucker for a good cover letter. So if anyone out there is wondering, is the cover letters get read? I can't guarantee they get read by the lawyers, but they, I read every cover letter. Um, it go. helps that there's some gems in the cover letter that aren't on the resume. And then I always go to the LinkedIn profile to see more of the story, because there's always something on someone's LinkedIn profile that they didn't include on their resume, whether that's involvement or a job they didn't want on their resume that they forgot to take off their LinkedIn profile. <laughs> so encourage people to make a match, because um, sometimes you do find things that you're like, okay, well, what is that job? And um, you can get a little more of their story from uh, their connections and who, if they're interactive on LinkedIn. Um, but it's it's so hard right now to just throw a posting out there. You've got to be proactively looking for folks. You can't just expect them to come to you anymore. There's too many opportunities mm -hmm. with the internet. There's too, it's just such a vast world of looking for jobs and knowing what companies are out there. And <clears throat> so it's, it's nice to go out. It's such an advantage to be able to go out and literally put in the profile of somebody you're looking for and you'll get a handful of matches. And then, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I mean, your LinkedIn profile says talent acquisition, right? That in and of itself says exactly what you're doing. You know, you're going out to get talent. You're not sitting back, right? Acquisition doesn't mean you just sit back and let it come to you. You're actively involved in trying to get it. And you're right a LinkedIn, a job post on ZipRecruiter or wherever, right? It's not enough. You're, are you, you feel like you're competing against other law firms today? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, and we're competing against all levels. You know, I'm with a big law firm, Squire, as many know, are, it's a, you know, we're a large international firm. So our challenges are different than they were 10 years ago. And, you know, really? 10 years ago in a big law firm, you really felt like you had, your pick. And today that's not true. Medium sized, small firms, in-house jobs, everyone has gotten more competitive and the job seeker is looking for something different. You know, 10, 15 years ago as a big firm, lawyers wanted to come in, they wanted to find a home and they were going to stay there forever. They were going to become partner. They were going to make their career there. Lawyers are not afraid to make changes these days. I mean, I have partners. I've had a partner who left in the last year, which is unheard of in our office. It's not unheard of in big law these days, but it just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened in our office that often. And I think that's indicative of just what's happening in the market. And it's now, kind of a post-COVID world. I think the pandemic has made a lot of people kind of step back and reprioritize things. And what do they really want? <clears throat> what, are the, what are the priorities that people are looking for now that are, that are different than before? What, what's your question? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think for, from a big firm perspective, it's the balance. You know, people have reprioritized their lives They've had this taste. I think I call it the silver lining of the pandemic. They've had this taste of free, a little bit of freedom, lower, you know, less commutes, being able to be there for their kids or their friends or family, whatever that piece is that's important to them. It's not just about being home for kids either. It's whatever is important in your life. And so everyone has, so many people have reprioritized what they're looking for. They're not looking to work 12, 14, 16 hours a day. They haven't defined their worth around mm -hmm. how many hours they go in a day. I, uh, I heard of a person leaving a law firm recently 
uh, so that and, and it could be a, a man or woman in this day and age so that she could homeschool their kid, their, their kids. Right. Her husband is a police officer and he's working lots and lots of overtime. And on his days off, he's working overtime. So he's not seeing seeing his kids. And we're talking six and eight year old kids. Um, so she, she left to homeschool the kids so that on the days that he's home, he could see them. And, and I'm like, that's 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 exactly what's happening nowadays. People are looking have different reasons for working, different reasons for not working. It's a drastic change. There is a huge shift in the workforce and our society in the U.S. I mean, I think the challenges in the U.S. are different than what some of the other locations around the world have seen. Because I feel like we've always kind of been bigger, faster, better in the United Mm -hmm. States. And Mm -hmm. people are taking a little bit of a step back and trying not to just fall back in to that overscheduled world so how how's that affecting what you're doing yeah like what do you, what have you had to do in response to this so we have had to get really and you know it's interesting too as a big firm we've had to get creative in every region so you know what our challenges are in columbus ohio are not necessarily the same as what's in new york and dc and la and san francisco these bigger cities where some of those factors of commute time and real estate and all those things are a bigger factor in those cities than it is in Columbus. We all kind of have our own challenges. In Columbus, we've actually been back in the office really from day one. We opened back up. It was not unsafe to come into our office to be downtown. Not a lot of people rely on public transportation. And so we have seen the benefit of kind of creating this this balance, um, being flexible. Our associates, even though we've been open, we're back in the office, we're encouraging people to come in, they don't, for whatever their reasons are, they don't necessarily want to come into the office every day. Um, They want the flexibility and um, and that leeway to be able to, to work remotely or from somewhere else. You know, I have folks who go on a vacation but they do want to work a few days while they just want to be somewhere else. They're going to the beach. So they're going to work for a few days from there. And so we have had to come up with this sort of this balance. And it's been hard with the different generations that are still in law firms. You know, you have people who've practiced law for a long time who feel like you have to be in person. And I think the other big challenge that we've encountered is you know, initially we went all in, you can work from home, you don't have to be in the office, do what you need to do, we're staying busy, we're productive, the bottom's not falling out, it's working. And then we reached a point, probably six months in, eight months in, where you noticed your young lawyers were not progressing. They weren't getting the training. Mm. And that's probably the biggest gap in this remote world, is just the training. And how do you create that space virtually, and comfortable for a young attorney who isn't always going to be comfortable calling that senior attorney or a partner uh, on their phone or teasing them or zooming them, whatever your platforms are. And they're not getting that soft, like coaching guidance, stopping by the office. And so that's where we sort of started to encourage folks to be back in the office a certain number of days and not highlighting. You have to come in Tuesdays and Thursdays, or you have to come in Wednesdays and Fridays. It's very flexible. We have the luxury of having enough attorneys that each practice group has a good concentration. So we've kind of left it up to practice group because that's the other piece is 
it varies from practice group. Your transactional practice groups are working very well remotely. Um, their practice lends itself to it. Litigation, not as much. You know, if they're going into trial, they're doing depositions, they're printing things. They, we're not a completely paperless organization as much as we tried so hard during COVID to be paperless and before COVID. I mean, everybody was like, go paperless. Um, and we're just not a completely paperless organization. Yeah. And so it's, it varies from practice group to practice group. And so finding, getting leaders in place. I mean, our practice leadership has shifted. Probably half of them are new post-COVID. Wow. And that is somewhat intentional in some of those groups to um, get folks in place who can embrace this hybrid world <laughs> of, you know, giving flexibility yet giving support and being able to um, identify, especially those young attorneys who need guidance. It's going to come better if they're in the office. Yeah. I want to talk, I want to stay on this topic because I find it such a big thing. It, it's huge. You know, we did so many shows at the beginning of the pandemic and early on, even in the last year, about the work from home, work from anywhere. And now we're starting to see, you know, if you read some of the stuff on LinkedIn and whatnot, some of the groups are saying, hey, work from home is not going to stick around forever. And, you know, six months ago, we we're like, oh, it's a cataclysmic change that will never be reversed. And I'm not so sure about that right now. But what I want to focus on or want to ask about is how do you maintain your, your culture? That's, a, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, great question. It is the hardest piece. So we – I say we got a little lucky in our Columbus office. So we had pre-COVID, we had some empty real estate. We had some empty space in our office, just various, a lot of it was due to staff reductions over the last five, 10 years. You know, you're just, your support staff has reduced significantly. You don't have as many secretaries, you don't have as many paralegals. And so we had been trying to sublease part of our space unsuccessfully. And right in uh, probably, uh, probably six months after COVID hit, we had the opportunity, there was, I mean, everyone is kind of moving around, as you probably are seeing in all the markets, like all law firms seem to be kind of figuring out, can we downsize our space? Real estate is our most expensive expense. How can we structure that? And we, as a firm, are doing it as well. And we had the opportunity to actually relinquish 50% of our space, which was a little more than we felt comfortable with initially. Now, with COVID, less people were coming in. But that's not going to last forever. So finding that balance. So we were able to relinquish 50% of our space. So save a ton of money on real estate, on our, you know, our lease expense each year. Um, but the only way to make that work was to create a hoteling space. And so we did it in a hybrid model. I think there are firms, there's actually some of our own offices that are kind of jumping into this 100% hoteling space. Nobody gets assigned offices. You reserve them when you come in. We had the luxury of this unique position. We have about three years left on our lease. And so we got to be able to create more of a hybrid situation and, um, and try it out for a couple of years and see how it goes. It's gone extraordinarily well. Because here's the other key is getting people back in the office is not just about making them come in. You've got to create a space that they're excited to come into. And for us, <laughs> space was conservative and it was older and it was... It felt very cavernous when you came in. If there weren't a lot of people in, you just didn't feel like you were around others, so you weren't getting that benefit either. 
So by creating, we've got about 25% of our attorneys that don't have assigned offices. So they work in the hoteling space when they come in. The hoteling space was also is also a cafe. And so we have an open area where there is a kitchen. I mean, free snacks. I mean, people can buy their own beef jerky, but for some reason it tastes better when they come in the office and it's free. <laughs> <laughs> I am shocked. <laughs> the beef it jerky come get. <laughs> and so we've created this environment when people are in the office. So the practice groups that are largely working remote, they plan a day. They come in. They're in the office. They have team meetings. They have lunch together. They have this open space where they can collaborate and come together. And so it's it's about kind of creating that. Um, that's kind of, that's what's helped us maintain our culture in the Columbus office. And I think not one size fits all. When it yeah. to, you've got to be true to your city, your people, the challenges that you have. And for us, right. this has worked really well. Yeah, I actually heard from Laura, our friend Laura at Zeno Hall and Parent, that you had to go out and buy a couple of things for for the for the for the the hoteling space. Is that correct? Yeah. So I went to ALA National Conference. Um, so I have oh, let's give a great big plug to the Association of <laughs> Legal Administrators. Here comes an idea she got from. Now. Yeah, so I am part of the local Columbus ALA chapter. I was the president all through COVID. I actually did two terms during COVID, which was probably one of the biggest challenges I've ever encountered in my life is trying to lead an organization that thrives on getting together in person and networking. <laughs> and we had to do it all via Zoom. So National Conference came back in person this past year. And I, and I went and I got this idea from one of the sessions to talk about doing things in your hoteling space. So we are getting a toaster oven and we're going to make chocolate chip cookies. This also came from Laura because Laura's a popcorn machine. And I'm yes, what like I was sensory yep. like, smelling things. So Laura has a popcorn machine. She makes popcorn every day at three o'clock or one day a week at three o'clock. I can't remember how often they do it. But she's trying to make them in the Pavlov's dog is what she's doing. Yes. <laughs> we have it here Wednesdays at 3 p.m. every week. Trust me. Popcorn? We we have Pavlov's is awesome. going on there. Mine's going to be chocolate chip cookies. I love it. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to fresh bake chocolate chip cookies in the toaster oven. Um, and it will just eventually become a thing. Like on a certain day of the week, chocolate chip cookies are being made. Come on down That's and awesome. get a snack at the, in the, in the hoteling space. You do this for a couple of months. You realize if you go on vacation for a week, you better hand that off to somebody. Because <laughs> people are going to be salivating at whatever time that three o'clock, they're going to be like, where are the cookies? Why am I salivating all of a sudden? I don't smell anything. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what a great the idea. other big piece of maintaining your culture um, through all of this. One thing that we did differently too is we created a committee and committees come with their downside. I mean, committees can be hard, yeah. but we created a senior associate committee and we brought them together and we talked through like, what is, what do you want? What would make, because that is one of the largest categories of attorneys that it's hard to get them to come in the office. Yeah. They are seeing all the struggles right now. They're having families. They're working hard. They're trying to make a partnership. You know, they have all of the demands. And so we pulled together a group of senior associates and really got buy-in. It took a lot of effort on the front end to talk mm -hmm. to the senior associates. Then we talked with every practice group. What are your needs? What do you need? You know, what would you want? What are your challenges right now? And But having all those conversations on the front end and really getting buy-in, even though we didn't implement everything everybody asked for, they still felt like they had a voice. Yeah. 
you know what? Having that voice is important. And these are fantastic. If anybody, whoever is listening, if you don't think that these are possible with your law firm, you're wrong, right? Culture starts with one person, right? You know, the acceptance of understanding that we do or do not have a culture. What is that culture and how do we want to, how do we want to help shape that culture? You know, at SpliceNet, uh, and Dave will tell you this, we for a long time thought to ourselves, you know, how do we make it so people don't hate driving to work? Yeah, everybody has to work. Most people do, right? And and so you can either, you know, hate going to work or you can maybe like going to work if you're lucky or maybe not mind it so much. You know what I mean? Um, and, and feel the reward from it. And so that culture facilitates one of those three, right? right. And so what you're doing, it sounds like, you know, the, 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 the hoteling space, right? The policies, the recruiting, when you, oh, I got a really good singer here. Um, the, 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 how you recruit people, how you interview them, how you bring them up through the ranks, how you put together committees and all that stuff. All that sounds like it's really going into what you're doing. And would you agree, Brandy, that every level firm can do something similar? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think, you don't have to be a, a big firm over a big office. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, in every size of firm, just you have to identify what your challenges are yeah, yeah. because it is different, but you can do this on a small scale. You know, maybe bring two people together instead of, I brought eight, you know, yeah. you're still getting a slice, a slice of input from folks. I also think empowering people is huge mm-hmm. from day one. I have an amazing support team and I have an amazing group of young associates and pulling them together and empowering them not only to come up with ideas, but to implement them. Mm-hmm. And then it also takes that pressure off that one person who feels like they're in charge of it all is yeah. letting folks, and they might do it a little differently than you would have done it. And I am, I do what I do. I'm a control freak. I mean, I'm very like, <laughs> I always have an opinion and idea on how things should be done. Um, but letting someone else do it, even though it might be a little different, they, they get buy-in, you get new ideas mm-hmm. and they, pull in other people that you might not have pulled in with your idea. And so I think that's one of the other keys and what has helped us be successful in getting people back into the office in any sort of large contingency is, is that as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, here's my, here's my zinger. Um, Well, kind of not a zinger really, but when, when you're recruiting, do you, are you looking at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok for the people that that you're recruiting to get a little bit of background on how they'll fit in your culture? So I'm old enough that I'm not looking at TikTok. <laughs> I can't find people on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I can only find the baby videos and the dog videos. <laughs> yeah, I got you. But Facebook. I do a little social media background, a little okay. research. Um, it is always interesting just to Google them and see also what other interests they might have. Yeah. You know, we have found people who had bands, someone who was had a yoga practice that she didn't really talk about on her resume because she wasn't sure if that would be something that would would add value. And so it, it is good to see what other things people are doing outside of work. <clears throat> and I think it's important that they know they can stay true to themselves and still be a part of your organization, even though it might not on the surface, feel like it is a value add to being an attorney in a big law firm. Give you a hot seat question here. So if you were to give uh, all the legal administrators out there right now, 
uh, a tip on recruiting, right? Um, and say, if you're not doing this in recruiting, I learned this over the last six months, you know, you've got to start doing this. What would that tip be? I told you that. That's what it's called hot seat for. <laughs> I can't tell you. I think, so I'll give an example last summer. So, or last fall when we were recruiting for our summer interns for this summer, um, in big law firms, summer internships are a big deal, even in medium sized firms. Getting your summer interns, everyone's fighting for the top candidates. And there is this pressure and there is this push and putting pressure on the students. And I hear it from the students how firms put a lot of pressure on them and pushing them hard and recruiting so hard. And I think the biggest tip is things work out as they should. Be patient, stay true to yourself, stay in contact. Don't like responsiveness and acting with speed are the two most critical things. Get back to people. Candidates talk all the time about never hearing from somebody. And so one of the keys is, is that, but it's also just being patient and staying true. We thought we were going to end up with the worst summer class we'd ever had between the market, between some internal challenges, some lack of, you know, kind of urgency in some other departments. We just felt like we did not get ahead of fall recruiting last year. Mm-hmm. And we have had one of the best summer classes we've had probably in 10 years. Wow. And top-ranked students, good, well-rounded students, multiple schools. Um, And so it's just just being patient and staying true to yourself, knowing that things will work out, responsiveness, staying in touch, and don't put pressure on them. Great hot seat response. Great hot seat response. I'm going to add to it by saying I do sales for SpliceNet, right? I sell technology, cybersecurity, so on and so forth. We've done it for years, and Dave will attest to this. I will tell you, I learned a long time ago, if you don't get back to someone, you will lose out on that opportunity that mm-hmm. quickly, that quickly, yep. right? It, you have to strike while the iron's hot. The iron's hot. You have to act like everything counts on that one response, whatever that is, in my opinion, right? You have to pounce and pounce fast, appropriately. Timing you know, is so. everything. It really is. It really is. Well, listen, you've been great. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping here for the show to close us out. Okay. So uh, if you don't know it, you should know it. If you watch the show every week, you should probably know. We have an exclusive group on LinkedIn called No Law Firm Left Behind. Wow. Where'd that name come from? Uh, it's an exclusive group for legal professionals on LinkedIn. If, you, if you're not a member of it, uh, you can take a quick snapshot of this uh, screenshot, or you can just go to LinkedIn and just search, put in search bar, bar no law from left behind and look for the group, not the organization. Okay. Uh, and join it. Please do. If you're a legal professional, lots of great tips. We're going to put Brandy's video up there. Uh, Brandy, you're a member. So, you know, make sure you comment on something there if you don't mind. Also, if you're not, yeah, I hope so. Also, if you're not on the list to receive our No Law From Left Behind magazine, yes, we have a print magazine. Sorry, I'm getting a glare from window. Nobody knows who that guy is, right? That that's nobody important, right? Uh, no, that's Robert Hershevek. He's one of the sharks. What's he doing on our magazine? Well, maybe you should uh, get the copy of it and read it. Also, we've got the flip books that we put out there as well, so you can read it on our website on a flip book. But it's a print magazine, so we want the print magazine. Uh, next month's issue will have Magic Johnson on the cover talking about business. He's a business genius, so why wouldn't we want to hear his musings, right? So pretty cool, pretty cool. So if you're not on a list, comment anywhere uh, anywhere you hear this or see this, and we'll, I'll make sure you get on the list. So 
Um, anything left, Dave? I think I think Brandy handled it all. No, me. I think we got it covered. Brandy, you were a rock star today. Just an absolute oh, rock star. Thank you. It was fun. You know? I can, thank you. As I said, I could talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. And would you come back on the show for us eventually? Absolutely. Love to have you back on. Love to have you back on. So uh, listen, again, thanks for joining everyone. Brandy, thank you so much. Dave, you're my pillar for joining me as a co-host. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure being here. Everyone, see you next week. Uh, we are open mic uh, all month with uh, legal administrators. Yep. So who knows what we'll have next next week. So tune in 1030 Eastern on Tuesday. Thanks a lot, everyone. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye now.